As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hello? Hi, this is Amanda St. Hilaire from Fox 6. How are you? I'm fine. Is this still a good time? Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. You know, I'm hearing a couple of kids in the background. <laughs> uh, you'll hear the same from my end, so you're in good company. I do want to let you know that I am recording, but like we talked about, I won't use your name or say where you work. Does that sound good? That uh, sounds good. What kind of work do you do and what are you seeing right now? Uh, well, I'm a nurse. I work in a labor and delivery unit. We actually had our first uh, possible or person under investigation this last week and it kind of just really brought it home of okay what is our protocol what happens if a mom gives birth to uh, a baby and is positive some hospitals are keeping mom and baby completely separate from the time the baby comes out and um, they go home separately and are kept completely apart for two weeks that's heartbreaking yeah i mean especially like you know, it's different when you're just a sick person, but when you're a sick mom and you have to worry about a sick baby and breastfeeding and hormones, it's just the perfect storm of events. A lot of us won't say it, but we're scared because it's going to take literally one of us to come to work one day who has a positive exposure for the cascade effect and it can literally just wipe out an entire unit staffing structure for weeks. From the Fox 6 Studios, this is Open Record. I'm Amanda St. Hilaire, and it is Tuesday, March 31st. Southeast Wisconsin nurses talk to us about the battle against COVID-19. They warn of supply challenges, mental health minefields, and a pandemic that's going to get worse before it gets better. These nurses are not supposed to talk to reporters, so in exchange for their brutal honesty, we agreed to not name them or their employers. Do you feel like enough is being done to protect healthcare workers like you? I mean, I feel that our organizations are doing what they can of course, not everything is being done I'm very realistic as far as I know those things don't happen overnight. So, you know, I would never badmouth any organization because I know that, you know, number one in their mind would, would be to keep us safe. But everybody's doing what they can. As far as supplies go, what is running out what do you guys need so those n95 masks are really the only real protection the regular masks like the surgical masks that you see people have 
don't have that feel on them, so they don't do anything, really. I mean, in your mind, something's better than nothing, but in all reality, those masks aren't very protective at all. N95 masks came up in every interview. They're respirators that filter air particles. That's why healthcare workers use them as protection from COVID-19. Hospitals all over the country are struggling, even competing, to get more personal protective equipment, known as PPE. Hospitals around here say they're not out of PPE, but they are aggressively conserving it. We have um, practitioners on our floor that could have to respond to the emergency room Instead of going to care for the patient right away, they have to contact a supervisor to get a mask. I'm definitely not a huge fan of using the same mask all day. But, um, you know, if we could get to a point where, you know, a mask has a life of like two hours versus 24, that would be a lot better. For people who aren't in the medical field, what's the problem with using the same mask for 24 hours? Well, the... The mask's integrity is compromised every time you put it on. The moisture from your from your breath is getting into the material and it's getting it wet. And so every time you put it back on, if the seal and how well it's working is being degraded. So by that last time you put it on it, on your shift, how well is it really working? So I get the very critically ill people in the ICU. I get the patients that are really, truly unable to breathe as they're gasping for air. They're unable to talk. Um, They're requiring a very high amount of oxygen. It's painful to watch them breathe. Different nurse, different hospital, different job, same worries. The protective equipment that I need to take care of patients, I do not have enough of. I need to use the same mask the entire day. Um, I need to keep it in a paper bag and I need to use that mask when I go into every single patient's room that is suspected to have uh, COVID. You know, if I'm in a positive COVID patient room and I go into someone that's suspected and they don't have it, who's to say that I don't pass something along to them Mm -hmm. by using the same equipment over and over again. They are intended to only be single use and the rules have been bent because of the shortage which I understand, I'd rather have something than nothing. If people in the healthcare field start getting sick and start not being able to go to work, what kind of effect is that gonna have for everybody else? We already have a shortage of nurses to begin with. Uh, I think a lot of areas do. When you start to have numerous amounts of nurses out at the same time in particular, I don't know who's gonna take care of the patients. I don't have a very good answer for that. Right now, are we, from what you've seen at least, are we at a manageable level of patients coming in? Are we starting to get into that unmanageable level territory? Where do we stand? I can personally tell you from where I work, we are at a manageable level. However, when with the policies changing, that leads to a lot of confusion, that leads to a lot of communication breakdown. Um, So it is very stressful right now in the hospital setting. Manageable, but very stressful. And my hopes are that we do not get to the point where we can't manage it. I don't think there is a great way to prepare for it because we are still trying to figure out how to deal with this in the hospital. 
So if there was a large influx, I am scared to see what um, the outcome would be in a hospital setting. How are you feeling? How are you doing? Um, I, myself, I, I am okay. But I can tell you that every time I am on heading to work, I am scared. Sorry. Um, and I'm scared to bring it home to my kids. So really, that's, it's terrifying, actually. I can only imagine. Yeah, no. So, I'm sorry. Um, I'm not the only one that feels this way. I mean, I'm sure physicians, nurses, respiratory CNAs, it, it's scary to go in there because you have no, you have no idea what the outcome will be if you get, if you get COVID yourself. I can't say I was ever prepared for this. Of course, I am trained on how to properly put a PPE on and whatnot, but as far as other than that, you know, how to mentally deal with it, I've got, I've gotten, I've received nothing. There's another perspective we need to talk about, home health workers. The nurse we spoke to was worried people would recognize her voice, and her voice is pretty distinctive, so you're not going to hear directly from her right now. But she did say she has problems getting even a basic surgical mask or ordering gloves for her back. She works with older patients who have a lot of underlying medical concerns. Her job involves going from house to house, so she is worried about spreading COVID-19 to her patients, and she's also worried about bringing it home to her family. One detail that stood out to me was when she explained she wears two layers of clothing to work. Every day, when she gets home from visiting her patients, she stands out on her deck, takes the top layer off, before she'll even take one step inside her home. If you're thinking this episode feels pretty grim, that's because we're talking about a grim situation, a grim disease. But it's not as grim as it could be if you don't take this last part seriously. I cannot imagine that this will be over in two weeks. If anything, we, we may see the worst within the next two weeks. Everybody stay home. We're all in this together. It is really inconvenient. But at this point, it's for the greater good not necessarily individual needs. Please don't be selfish because healthcare workers are taking the brunt of what's going on. And even if you're healthy, asymptomatic, you can still pass it to someone who's not healthy. So just don't be selfish. Is there anything you want to add? Anything I missed? No, I think you asked me a lot of um, really important questions. And um, I'm a little nervous <laughs> to answer these questions, but I, they are, they're very important questions. Well, thank you again for A, for the work you're doing, uh, but B, for taking the time to walk us through what you're experiencing, because it's, it's a perspective I think people should hear. Absolutely. These nurses never thought they'd be talking to the news, and they took a risk by doing that. But they said they wanted to make sure people knew what they were experiencing so they would take the situation seriously. So thank you to them for sharing their stories. And thank you to the people who make this podcast possible. Producer Pete, Dave Machuda, Suzanne Barthel, and Sarah Smith. If you haven't already, please subscribe to Open Record. You can do that wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Amanda St. Hilaire. We'll be back tomorrow. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. 
If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> AutoTrader.